Good afternoon, or perhaps it's nearly evening actually, and welcome to today's podcast brought to you by Equine Devil's Advocate. Christmas Eve, and how very different Christmas Eve can be depending on where you are in the world. There are so many traditions and they vary from country to country. Well, we here at Equine Devil's Advocate are going to begin with an adaptation of A Christmas Wish. A Christmas Wish is a series of fairy tale stories from Norway originally, but there is also the story of Santa's Christmas Wish. Santa's Christmas Wish is for the true spirit of Christmas to be spread through the world. His wish is for joy, love, kindness, generosity, caring, sharing, and all things good. The tradition behind this is that together with his elves, Santa created mini sacks for all the children. Inside each one are 24 of Santa's wishes. Each wish is a special task for the children to do to help make Santa's wish come true. Every morning in December, the children pick a piece of paper from the sack and complete the special deed of the day for 24 consecutive days until Christmas Eve when Santa rewards them for making his wish come true. His wish is to keep the true spirit of Christmas alive. Now, we here at Equine Devil's Advocate, we are making a Christmas wish this year for a little person. A little person called Riley, who lives in Crystal River in Florida. Riley is 12 years old, nearly 13, and wrote the most beautiful email to us. She explained that she does not have much experience with horses other than a simple trail ride and three months at horse camp. But since she was three years old, she says, I have had this sort of calling. She says, horses to me are like air. I cannot live without them. I know they are in my blood. And she goes on to explain, well, actually, let me read it to you. Riley wrote, My family isn't very wealthy at all, and no one has any experience with horses whatsoever, except for my great-grandpa, who owned racehorses, but no one has carried that on. My family doesn't believe in me, and doesn't think that I can do it. I have been trying to get a horse for quite some time now, but for some reason I can't get myself close to anything that has anything to do with horses. As I'm quite young, I don't have much experience or money. I have started a business called Ponies Treats, where I sell horse treats and dog treats to help get money from my horse, but nothing seems to be really working. I don't know what to do, and I know that I have to do something because I know that I need horses. Horses are to me as if magic, as rare as mermaids and fairies, but for me they are essential. I'm almost 13, and I had a former jockey tell me that I have a special way of speaking to horses that she hasn't seen many people have. I haven't been on a horse much, but every time I do, I get this magical feeling. 
my uncle lived in an equestrian area when I was three, and I remember watching the people on their horses and knowing that somehow I had to be around them. So, our Christmas wish is that someone out there in Florida with horses, or who has horses, or who knows someone with horses, here is a little helper. With all the dedication and passion, she just needs an opportunity. A helping hand in the right direction. After all, let's face it, the little helpers of today become the great riders of tomorrow. And the horse world needs this passion, love and dedication. It needs it to flourish, to keep the true spirit of the horse alive. So, anything you can offer to our Christmas wish for Riley, please do get in touch. Email us here at www.equinedevilsadvocate.com or message us on Facebook or, of course, Podbean. Now, I will also add that we do know some professional riders that have friends in Florida, not sure exactly whereabouts, but unfortunately they're on holiday at the moment. But as soon as they come back, we will be on the case. So come on, people, get your heads together and let's find an opportunity to make Riley's Christmas wish come true. Now, we hope that you are all relaxed and snuggled up if it's cold or cool and refreshed if it's very hot where you are because we promised to tell you our Christmas story the Scrooge-esque horsey tale now of course the story of Scrooge in England we pretty much probably all do know about it is actually called A Christmas Carol written by Charles Dickens and it's essentially about a miserly old man called Ebenezer Scrooge. Such a great name. His favourite saying to anything remotely festive was, Bah! Humbug! Something you will still hear people saying today on the odd occasion. But Ebenezer Scrooge was granted the opportunity to see the error of his ways. Now... Our Scrooge-esque story for you involves a miserly old man. And rather than three ghosts giving him the opportunity to see the error of his ways, it was a horse, a racehorse called Ritmar. Now, just to clarify, he was actually a very nice, miserly old man, and not unkind at all, but just very, very stuck in his ways. Now, at this point in time, we are still on Exmoor, where I had started my own business and running my own yard. It is a big undertaking with anything new. People like to watch, to observe, and then decide if they would like to commit their horses or not. So, as one does riding around, I met an elderly lady also riding and we struck up conversation. She knew who I was, as again, in a rural community, where it travels very, very fast. In conversation, she went on to inquire if I was interested in doing some exercising for her. 
You see, she and her husband had one or two racehorses that they trained from home, and whilst she enjoyed the easier work, she quote unquote said, "I'm far too old for the galloping and the fast work, and certainly for schooling over fences." So she asked if I would be interested in doing that for her. I said yes, I'd be delighted to. Consequently, I was invited for afternoon tea to meet her horses and her husband, and organise a weekly routine. They had a very nice cottage, outside of which was a row of four forward-facing stables, with a nice view across the lane, and on the other side of which there was their turnout fields. The stables were on a very pretty mown grass area, and a separate fence walled off their cottage garden. I went in for tea and sat at the kitchen table, where I was immediately pounced upon by their golden retriever. He was huge and just about a year old, and had a complete thing about my ears, especially my earrings. In true retriever style, with that big smiley face, those huge dark eyes, and that constantly wagging fan tail, he would clamp his paws around me and try and suck my earrings out, and shove his cold wet nose in my ears. Anyway, kettle boiling on the agar, tea brewing in the pot. I was asked if I would like some fruit cake. Oh, lovely! Thank you. Out came the cake tin. Inside, a lovely, succulent, homemade fruit cake. Husband was given the knife with which to cut the cake. I didn't think too much about it at the time, but he took a wooden ruler from the kitchen drawer and measured precisely the exact amount to slice. Three times, it was a work of art. Three. Of the tiniest slivers of cake were delivered to the table. Then he turned his attention to the milk jug. He measured from a small plastic measuring cup the most precise, exact amount to the drop. How much would go into the milk jug for the table? Exactly enough for three cups of tea. Very nice it was too. And I said, at the time, I really didn't think that much of it. And then, of course, out came the photo album, his very best horse, a horse that had since passed away, but very, very much immortalised in photographs and in his memory, a big black thoroughbred called Richelieu, a horse that had been strong, tough, brave. And very successful for them. He had won some really, really good races, and when not won, he had run his heart out to be beaten by the narrowest of margins. Clearly, a horse of which they were very, very proud. His photographs not only adorned the album, but also the kitchen walls, and I have to say, he looked really impressive. Now arrangements. They currently had two horses. One that I had seen her riding, a chestnut mare with a big broad white blaze. Cara Star was her name, 
a stocky, strong sort, only about fifteen two, but an absolute speed machine over hurdles, yet a peach to hack out. She had done well for them, and they wanted a brief from her, so they were just in the process of researching the most appropriate partner. Their second horse, a grey gelding, that was waiting for his vetting, as they had decided to sell him out of racing to a different life. The horse that they wanted me to help out with was Rickmar, a chestnut gelding, a horse that they had been trying to buy for quite some time. And finally, had managed to make the purchase, a very good hurdler, and they hoped that he would go on to walk in Richelieu's hoofsteps and become a brilliant chaser, destined for the Cheltenham Festival. Now, Rickmar was currently up in the north of England, and arrangements had been made to bring him down to the south, to his new home. It was very nice to meet them and hear their stories and how brilliant Richelieu had been. I detached myself from the retriever, wiped to my ears, and agreed to assist in collecting Rickmar in a few days' time. Well, there we were a couple of days later, waiting in the motorway services for the transporter to meet us. Actually, I haven't given this couple a name, so let's call them Mr. and Mrs. D. Well, Mrs. T, Mr. T, I should say, was considerably older than Mrs. T, so he had remained at home, and I do believe that that union had caused quite a considerable stir in the community at the time. But nevertheless, they seemed very happy together. Mrs. T had driven her car with the trailer, and I had gone to assist. It would be a late journey. It was now about eight o'clock in the evening, and it was dark. The transporter was about fifteen minutes away, and hopefully, with a smooth transition from transporter to trailer, we should be back by about ten p.m. And there he was, Rickmar. What a jolly little chap! About fifteen three, chestnut with a white blaze, bedecked with his chestnut spots the size of coins. He was very, very friendly, and sort of looked at you like he'd known you forever. Pricked his ears, and so friendly, and a very self-confident little horse. Lovely. He walked straight off the swish transporter, and straight into the dimly lit trailer. No qualms at all. And so we set off on our journey, and we arrived at his new home. He backed out of the trailer. A new thing for him, but jolly as ever, alert, ears pricked, he took in his new surroundings. As he went into his stable, I sort of noticed that the top stable doors on the other stables were shut, but I didn't think too much of it at the time. Rickmar walked into his stable. It was spacious, but had the tiniest layer. Of sawdust covering the floor, a small section of hay in one corner, and one water bucket in the opposite corner. I didn't think too much about it at the time. Rickmar walked straight over to his corner manger and started tucking into some nuts that were in there. 
Mr. T was very pleased with his purchase after looking him over, and we left the stable for him to settle. The trailer was unhitched and parked up, and Mr. T said, "I'm just going to check on the others." To my surprise, he opened the top door to each of the other stables and peered in, and in each of them, the other horses, Kara Star, standing just in the middle of a thin layer of sawdust, not sleeping, just standing, and the same with the grey horse. He shut their doors again, and then went to Ritmar and shut his too. I hadn't thought much of it until that point. Then I thought, "Hmm, strange. I wonder why. Perhaps the weather is going to turn." Piece by piece, the picture began to unfold. Eight p.m. precisely. Lights out. Top doors shut. Any hay not eaten was removed for the following morning. Water buckets were removed. Seven a.m. Promptly, doors were opened. A water bucket was given. A small section of hay, and a precisely measured feed was fed. Turnout, precisely two hours a day, no more and no less. And Mr. and Mrs. T. Breakfast was one egg. Two rashers of bacon, one cup of tea, a coffee, one at eleven thirty. Lunch, a piece of fresh bread with a precisely ruler measured cube of cheese. Afternoon tea, four thirty, precisely a sliver of cake and one cup of tea. And after that, I don't know. But how did this stringent lifestyle work for Rickmar? Such a jolly chap, and a really bold, self-confident little horse—a pleasure to ride at first, then not so much. And I bore the brunt of it. He started to show a different side to his previously perky, jovial personality, mostly on the training gallops. He started to do what we call whip round. This is when one is travelling in a straight line, and then very suddenly your horse spins to either the left or the right, very quickly. It was a deliberate and decisive move, a move that would leave me with no horse, just the floor. Rickmar would then hightail it, run off usually. Into a cornfield somewhere, and immediately start eating anything and everything. He was also very, very difficult to catch. He would eat, eat, eat until I was just about to reach for his reins. Then he would hightail it off again and start eating some more. One can feel a bit of a plonker wading through farmers' crops trying to catch one's horse, while a horse that doesn't want to be caught. Also, Rickmar was very, very difficult to stay on with that manoeuvre. Mostly, there is, you see, perhaps a telltale sign, a split second before they do it, a giveaway in where their ears are or what their eye is doing, or a tiny preceding tension. Not with this horse, not Rickmar. 
he gave no warning, no indication ever. In fact, he almost lulled you into a false sense of security by feeling so forward and relaxed. But, needless to say, Mr. T was not best pleased with all these shenanigans. I tried to broach the subject with Mrs. T that perhaps, as Rickmar was such a naturally jolly animated horse, perhaps he ought to have his top door open at night, a hangnet maybe, to keep him a little bit entertained, perhaps a bit more of an appropriate diet, or a little bit more time in the field. Oh, goodness, no, no, she replied. Mr. T does all that organising. He organises the whole routine and the feeding. You see, it's all done exactly as he did with Richelieu. And it worked. He was the best horse we ever had. And Mr. T won't change his ways. Oh, OK, not up for discussion then, I thought. Guess I'm just going to have to be running through more cornfields a couple of times a week then. It came to light that Rickmar even had his major removed at night as well. For at about ten o'clock he had had enough and boredom got the better of him. He would lift it up out of its holder and throw it around, crashing and banging about to entertain himself. Mr. T was immensely displeased and so consequently removed it from his stable altogether and then closed the top door again. 10.30, you see, was bedtime every night and he could not sleep with that racket going on. Well, things did not improve. The routine and the diet remained stringent and Rickmar became more problematic, depositing Mrs. T and running off into other cornfields. The worst day, it took about three and a half hours and half the village to catch him. He went on to race three times for Mr. and Mrs. T in a very mediocre way, finishing midway or even further down the field. Races he could have won easily on his previous form and were looking at the paperwork. His first race, he started favourite on paper and should have romped it. After the third race, Mr. T declared emphatically, I will not spend a penny more on that horse. He is nothing but a disappointment. And so, just like that, he sold him. There had, you see, actually been an underbidder at the time of purchase. One phone call to that underbidder and Rickmar was gone. Three weeks later, Rickmar romped home six lengths clear of the rest of the field in a very competitive hurdle race of actually very good horses. Mr. T looked pale, reading the results in his racing post, sipping his small mid-morning coffee. He did not pass comment, but from that day, the top doors of the stables remained open until 10pm at night and a hay net was given up until 10pm at night. And horses could be seen in the turnout fields later into the afternoon. Was Mr. T visited in his dreams by the ghost of Richelieu? I guess we will never know. But something 
prompt a change, the error of his ways. Breakfast, for them, always remained one egg and two rashers of bacon, bread and cheese for lunch, and he always paid me in coins, even pennies sometimes. But, be it the mischief of Rickmar or the ghost of Richelieu, life would be better for horses that followed in their hoof steps. Of that, there was no mistake. And so, from us here at Equine Devil's Advocate, we wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas, and may all your Christmas wishes come true. And please, of course, do join us on this coming Friday for our roundup of 2018, our first year of podcasts. Until then, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, do take care and we will, of course, speak soon. <laughs>